Hello and welcome to episode number four of the Weekend Rental Podcast. I am Ryan and with me today we've got Andy. Hey, how's it going? And Justin. Hello. Alright, how are you fellas doing? What you been up to? Doing good. Um, actually haven't done a whole lot, just pretty much played video games. Worked. <laughs> well, video games counts as something. Alright. Yeah, I did uh, do anything too exciting. We uh, put in an egress window last week, and the contractor was able to fit us in sooner than we expected, so that got done ahead of our home equity loan. Uh, so we've mostly just been trying not to spend money for the next week, so that was fun. And then I worked on uh, my mini NES arcade cabinet that I'm building for my kids, and it's starting to come together. It looks pretty all right for somebody who's not that handy capable. How about you, Andy? Yeah, I saw saw that picture of your tweet and that thing is really coming along nice thank you the kids are having fun helping with it <laughs> helping yeah there's the air, I, there was air quotes when i said that but um it's hard to see over <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah well this past weekend my niece got married and she had a reception in a barn so i'm kind of interested to know if that's just a midwest thing i hear about it quite a bit have you guys ever had been to one of those? Yeah, I've been to three weddings that took places and or took place in barns, at least for the receptions. I had not even heard it. <laughs> it's country chic. Yep, exactly. It's kind of cool. I don't know. Uh, we got to they actually rent out like the the house there too. So we ended up renting the house, let the kids go crash there, while we stay up all night. You know, nice. So it worked out pretty good. Very nice. Yeah, I figured you must have gone to a wedding. I saw a few pictures floating by on Facebook. So, yeah, one with your son in the corner where he looked like he was having a ton of fun. Oh yeah, those. Uh, <laughs> both the kids were in the wedding, and only one of them made it down the aisle. So, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, but overall, it's kind of cool. It's kind of surreal watching people do a chicken dance in a barn, but. <laughs> It's totally appropriate, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's if there's any place to do it. The problem I have with those um, receptions that are in barns, though, is like maybe maybe the one you guys were at wasn't so bad or the temperature was okay, but the other two I've been, like two of the ones I've been to were just so ungodly hot because, you know, it's always like July or August when people do that, and it never fails that it's like a 95-degree day. So it's just kind of miserable. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it would have been some health risks if, if it was like in the 90s there i mean they just basically turn on like one of those big industrial fans and that's about it you know yeah there's not much else you can do i suppose right yeah other than that not much going on just playing games pretty much too nice what you've been playing um i got really hooked on slime rancher which is the xbox one free game of the month or whatever and Deer Ranch Slime? It, yeah, it's pretty much just Harvest Moon with uh, slimes. <laughs> so it's like an indie game, I take it. Yeah, it's much more like of an indie style, kind of the art style for sure, too. Um, but kind of the take on it is it's a it's Harvest Moon, but it's a first-person perspective, and you use like a vacuum gun to pick everything up and, you know, basically interact with everything. That sounds really weird and sort of intriguing right it's much more like action 
uh, version of Harvest Moon, but at the end of the day, you're still like getting these slimes and like harvesting their poop for money, you know? Their poop is worth money? Yep. <laughs> you, you grab the chickens and the, you rate, you know, raise carrots and whatever, and then you feed it to the slimes and collect their poop and somebody buys it. Oh my gosh. Well, you're on the right end of that transaction, sounds like. If you can sell shit, you're on top of your game. Exactly. That's what my empire is being built on. <laughs> but yeah, if you're if you're into that type of game, it's definitely probably I would say it's one of the better ones of that. And I assume that's not free anymore, or is it still? Yep, it's free for August. Okay, I think my live lapsed once again since I never use my Xbox. I think it was May when we when you did it last time on that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I got an email that said like July 10th or something. It was gone. Yeah. Yeah, this is the first free one that I've actually gotten a while to, or actually played. So, sure. Yeah, I suppose usually you just go through the motions of like add to cart, check out, and then you never play half of them. Yeah, that's that's the best part of the whole game, right? Right. <laughs> Not playing it. <laughs> it's the collecting. You don't need to play it. You just hoard them all. Well, exactly. My I have tons of boxes sitting there on on the Xbox One, just waiting to be played. How about you guys? Uh, well, Justin and I have been pretty heavily addicted to Crossout, which is a free-to-play game. Uh, it's pretty much, I guess the best way to describe it is maybe Twisted Metal meets Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts. Essentially, you just build a car out of parts, get dropped into a match, and you just glow, go blow stuff up. And it's pretty... It, I mean, it's janky. It's not like the most polished game ever, but it's pretty damn fun for free. Huh. Is it early access? It's technically beta still. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. I think it's been on PC for quite a while, though. And it's been beta there, so I assume it's going to be one of those games where you play for a long time as beta. Yeah. No, it's really cool, though. It's got like a progression, like leveling RPG system um, for unlocking skills. You can unlock blueprints, join different factions to craft different items for your car. Um, it's got a market, so you can buy, sell, trade. Yeah, it's actually... I mean, there's not it, there's not a lot of depth to it. I mean, it's just blow crap up, but it's, it's a good time. Cool. So, like, free-to-play games, usually it's either you have to do a lot of grinding or you have to... There's, like, a lot of timers involved. So I'm guessing this is more on the grinding side? Yeah. Yep. Can be. Um, leveling it would be grind, but as far as materials, you can sell stuff to buy other, like, what you want. So you don't have to grind to build everything. You can just go buy it if you have other stuff to sell. Do you have to rebuy it every time, after every match, then? Nope. Once you buy it, it goes into your inventory, and then you have... So, like, for example, you buy, a, a um, like, a machine gun place it on your vehicle you would have that for any vehicle you ever create until you sell it that uh, machine gun or i guess you could uh scrap it salvage it too but it wouldn't be worth doing that huh yeah then it's got like have... I'd, I'd say like the biggest problem or like the biggest grind out is like uh they restrict how many pieces you can put on your car so kind of holding you back as to like how powerful of a car you can build and weapon wise and stuff 
Um, but that kind of levels out once you hit to about level 10. I think you get 40 pieces by that point. And you're kind of like well on your way to being pretty competitive. Sure. Uh, level level 17 unlocks something that I'm not quite sure yet. I haven't got there. I think I'm almost 16. But you you get uh, a piece where you unlock a different type of vehicle. Leviathan, I think it's called. And then you have, I don't know how many pieces you get, but some of those builds for the Leviathans are outrageous. So I assume you get a lot of pieces. Kind of hoping to get there by this weekend so I can test it out. And since it's like a competitive game, there isn't any like egregious like pay to win, like give you a huge advantage if you put money into it? I would say no, because I was checking in the like the pay to win portion where you can buy the currency in game is actually pretty terrible priced in my opinion. What is it at? Uh, I don't remember exactly offhand, but it, for like ninety nine dollars, you got I want to say it's like seven twelve thousand or seventeen thousand coins, and that's basically one like legendary item, I guess. Is about how much that costs. So ultimately, that's a lot of money you're putting in if you want to try to pay to win that way. Or you can just play it for, you know, 24 hours <laughs> game time. I take it you have some legendaries now then? I don't. Um, okay. I could have the purple, which I would assume is epic if I wanted to, but I've decided to not go that route yet. Sure. Is there any like randomness to it then too, as far as what you get? Yeah, there's um, crates, which is essentially loot boxes um, that you get like for leveling up or doing certain achievements, and then those are kind of a lottery where you can pay to re-roll. So there is some of that random. I mean, I, I you can get lucky and get a really good piece early on, but uh, it's pretty fun. I mean, there is some depth to the gameplay too. Like basically every piece that you attach to your vehicle has you know power scores and weight ratings and um, will fall off your vehicle with your cab kind of being you know your heart of your vehicle. If that takes too much damage, you blow up. But you know you can kind of use that to your advantage. So you can shoot someone's wheels out, or the best strategy generally is to shoot their guns off their car. So it's it's good. I mean it's there's a lot going on in there. I don't know if it's all pulled off spectacularly like there's some janky stuff but i can't really complain for not paying anything the actual gameplay like so far we've played quite a few games and i could maybe count i don't know eight to ten times that the match has been really laggy or like really hard to play and that was mainly at the very beginning when the ai players are being transitioned out to have real players come in even rocket league gets unplayable when you have people dropping in and out all the time so I will say, though, that, like, team balancing is just not there at all. If And if it is in there, it's just completely broken. Like, you, it will throw you in, like, some horribly unbalanced situations against teams that are way more powerful than you. Um, so that's kind of a crapshoot. You know, it's kind of... Matches don't... They're, not, they're generally not, like, this fun battle. I mean, there are cases where that happens, but for the most part, it's just a blowout one way or the other. Um, but I mean, it is what it is. They're only like two minutes long. To right. Games, so it's not so. too painful. Oh, wow. Okay. But as far as that goes too, um, I, I believe it's gotten a little bit better too, as we've all gotten closer to the same level and 
able to put as much like a lot of the same pieces on. So we have about closer to the same um, player score, or whatever it's called. I, I believe it's gotten a little bit better for matchmaking that way, but right. Oh, well, we've always got room for one more, Andy. You should create a truck and start killing stuff. I think I might have to download that. I mean, you really talked me into spending the the amount of money that you're looking to spend on this game. So I know it's an investment, but it's it's worth the it's worth it. <laughs> Luckily, it's a small game too, as far as size. So yeah. sure, yeah, I'll have to download Crossouts. It's called it's called Crossout, huh? Crossout, yeah. I think that's that one that I tried to explain to you what it was, and I called it out last. And you're like, no, I don't like scary games. I'm like, wait a minute. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Outside of that, I've been playing some Monster Hunter Generations. Best Buy had that on clearance for sixteen forty nine, So I picked that up because I like Monster Hunter. And I had the new, I did pick up the new 2DS XL. Um, so I wanted something that was current gen to play on that because all I had was a couple DS games. And um, yeah, it's... I mean, it's a Monster Hunter game. It plays like a Monster Hunter game, which I like. The The circle, or not the circle, I guess it's not a circle pad. It's that little nubbin um, on the 2DS XL. It makes controlling the character really easy, which is good. I don't know how to feel about the 2DS itself. I, I actually got my initial one, and the hinge felt incredibly loose and, like, wiggly. So I immediately took it back to Best Buy, and even the guy at the counter was like, oh yeah, this is really loose, go grab a different one. Um, and apparently, no, that's just how it's built. Um, so the build quality um, isn't super amazing, uh, and the complaints that people have about the speakers being easily blocked with them on the bottom of the handheld is totally true. And uh, a lot of people in their reviews talk about how the system just vibrates from the speakers, and that is absolutely true. Like it's kind of alarming how how much that thing like shakes in your hand uh, just through the speaker sound. But how do they mess up the build quality this much this far late in the game? I suppose cheaper, cheaper, cheap. Well, I think that's the thing is like they got all the guts into the lower half, so the upper part of the screen is just the screen. So I think there's like a lot of you know there. It's so light up there that it just kind of vibrates the whole system. I don't know. I mean, other than that, I mean, it's only, it, it kind of almost adds to it. Like when you get to a point where like the music gets like loud and there's a lot of bass, like it sort of feels um, like it's designed to be like that, but obviously it's not. I mean, it shouldn't, shouldn't do that. It's the first handheld with rumble. Right. Right. Unexpected rumble. <laughs> it, it, it is a decent handheld though. I mean, I've never had a 3ds before, but the screen's good. It feels comfortable in my hand. I'm getting to play some Monster Hunter. But I haven't gotten very far. I think I put like an hour and a half into Monster Hunter Generations. Um, I got to a quest where I had to capture like three, some kind of moth. And you start that quest and you go to the quest box to pick up your items. And it gives you three bug nets. And both times I ran into this, I broke all three bug nets through random chance within about the first like 20 seconds. And was unable to complete the quest, so I got I kind of like rage quit and put the game down and went back to Crossout. But overall, you think you would stick? I mean, like just because it's a portable, you don't think it, you know, gets in the way of Monster Hunter? Then mm, no. You mean as far as like just the cap on visuals and like gameplay and stuff? Right, from like going from the Wii U down to yeah. You know, I mean, it is so. 
I was all excited because I was like, well, I can play new Monster Hunter games and take them with me. But the problem with Monster Hunter games, to me, is like some of those quests take like 50 minutes, which in a portable system, that is always super convenient. Like I, I probably won't like take this thing on road trips and play it in the car. I'm just going to sit in my basement and go through quests, so that's going to be fine. Uh, the one thing I did notice, though, is, and I, I guess it makes sense, is the visuals, even on that nice screen, uh, with the bigger screen, like, you kind of forget how old the technology is in the 3DS. Like, that game kind of looks janky. And it's not the game's fault, it's it's just the limitations of the 3DS. Um, but, you know, I guess it's kind of where they made their home, the, the Monster Hunter games, has been on the DS and 3DS lately, so... Uh, I'll, I'll put up with some minor annoyances to be able to, I mean, I'd much rather have it on the switch, which we might see that come to the switch, I guess. Um, and have it on a TV screen. But for now, if that's how I have to play monster hunter, so be it. The one that's out in the switch in Japan, that's just a ported version of this. I think it's a port of an older game. Yeah. I, I can't remember how that works. And, um, I, I guess I heard that Nintendo put out a demo, which also has an English demo but it hasn't yet been announced by Capcom to be translated for North America. <laughs> so I'm not sure what to think of that, but hopefully that means we're getting it. Yeah. That's kind of weird. Cause like on one hand, yeah, if you already have English, you would think that it's already coming here. Yeah. But on the other hand, it. it's Capcom. Right. I don't know. Capcom, I heard is all excited about the switch now. So we'll see. Well, everybody should be if, if arms can sell one point, whatever million, on the switch i think pretty much anybody could i guess it is still first party nintendo but that's got to tell you that people are hungry for games on that thing yeah probably it also doesn't help that they have like five games to choose from in the store at any one time or it doesn't hurt you know if you if your selection is one through five you're probably gonna pick up arms anybody else been playing anything interesting i watched a movie that came out a year ago what movie uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows. Have you guys seen Is this? Is that the new live action one? Yep. Yeah, I've seen them. I hated it just as much as I hated the first one. Really? I don't like those movies. They piss me off. What do you think of it? I don't think they're great movies, but I think they're kind of fun overall. The first one I didn't like because it was it was just so different, I guess. Right, but this one you could definitely tell they they were pandering to eighties the eighties kids real hard. Yeah, if anything, they fit every every you know every single person from that original cartoon into like one movie, which was kind of weird. Yeah, I just I don't know. I, I, they were so far off in the first movie, and then I, I just kind of feel like and it's not just the turtles. I think it's any of these movies that they're rebooting to try and get. You know, people to go back. I just feel like they're just taking a giant shit in my childhood, um, and I don't appreciate it. Like, if I want to see a good Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, there's two of them from my youth that are still better. So, and you could argue the third. I know people hate Turtles in Time or whatever. What was the third one? Was it Turtles in Time? Oh, or is that the, there's a game Turtles in Time. The game is Turtles in Time. I yeah, can't I remember, remember what the, the third one was called. It's Turtles. The 3. Japanese that one, was, one, right? Yeah, that one's pretty bad, but I'd still rather watch that over the new <laughs> TMNT movies. I don't know. I don't know. They're definitely not as good as the old ones, but I don't know. They act like actual teenagers, I think. I think that's a lot of what we forget, you know? 
of yeah. what a teenager is now. You calling us old? Yeah. I <laughs> I mean we're millennials still, so I guess we're we can cling to that, but Yeah. Uh I don't know if they'll make another one. I think they're setting up for another one because they definitely had kind of Krang. Yeah, the way that left off, I think they're for sure going to do. I mean, if we can get 28 Transformers movies, I'm pretty sure they can squeak a couple more Turtles movies out. Yeah. I, I like these better than the Transformers. I'll say that. Yeah. I like the first Transformers a lot. But I, I will. you're right, though. The, this one was, this Out of the Shadows was much better than the first one, for sure. You know if it's on Netflix streaming? Uh, it was. I watched on Amazon Prime. Okay, streaming. I think it's on Hulu. I want to say sure. It, it could out. be on Netflix too if it's on all pretty much all of them. Yeah. Yeah. But the, yeah, I mean, they're they you know, Bebop and Rocksteady look exactly like they do. You know, they they didn't make it change to make it seem like oh well we got to change them. It's 2017. Whether or not that's pandering to me or not, I. I guess. I don't know. I fell for it. Sucker. Yep. <laughs> uh, I don't think I haven't seen. We watched The Boss Baby, I guess. That was something. My kids really liked it. I thought it was kind of weird. There was some good comedy in it. It was just kind of a bonkers movie because it's sort of like kids' imagination of this baby doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Kids watched it this past weekend, so I heard quite a bit about it. I didn't watch it because they were at their grandma's. Oh, yeah. So, I heard quite a bit about it, though. Yeah. Yeah, it seems to be a hit with little guys, that's for sure. You guys want to move on to some news? Yeah. What breaking headlines do we have coming at us? Uh, Something I thought was really cool. Uh, They announced a game called UFO 50, and it's kind of... I don't know if it's... um, It's almost like a collection of Game Jam games, but that were completed. All of them are like 8-bit retro style games and some of them are made by some you know like uh creator of spelunky yeah did you guys play that game um i don't think i've played it i've watched a lot of video on it though i don't think i've played it sure a couple other indie developers and they kind of all got together and made all these games but man it just kind of runs the gamut of genres of nes games so what is this coming to then i think right now it's just pc but I'm kind of I'm kind of interested in checking that out. I mean, the retro style thing has been pretty overdone, I would say. But you know, if you make fifty of them that are pretty much bite sized, all in one package, I think that's kind of ideal to just kind of go through them and find which ones you kind of like to play with. So they just kind of went around the industry, and like anyone who was interested jumped on board and built a game for this thing. Yeah, it must be. Huh. It's interesting. And it's not UFO, it's not that, like, crappy publisher from, like, the Wii days or whatever. <laughs> no, I don't believe so. Okay, good. <laughs> if it was, I am i can't wait till it's 99 cents. Yeah, if it was a cl- collection of 50 of their god-awful published games, I would just run <laughs> run away. <laughs> Break out the, the Wiimotes again. Oh, yeah. The trusty Wiimotes. But yeah, other than that, beyond that, um, so this Unsung Story Kickstarter has been quite an ordeal. I'm glad I didn't uh, put any money into that because I almost did. And that was, so I haven't heard anything what, about three... this. What is, is this a game they're looking to fund, crowdfund? Yep. 
they they put it up three years ago. Okay. They and then they raised like six hundred and sixty thousand. Nice. For uh, it's the it's basically a spiritual successor to Final Fantasy Tactics, which is one of my favorite games. And you know they basically had the the same guy that came up with that game, kind of that world and everything on board to make this game. And over the last like probably year and a half, they've just not been delivering. They haven't been even like contacting the people that back them, kind of lying to their face. And earlier this week, all the backers got an email saying that, hey, yeah, we're not making this game anymore. But the good news is this other company is taking over. So you could imagine everybody was super pissed off. Right. Then the the new developer called, uh, I think, Little Orbit. You know Little Orbit, right? I've, it sounds familiar, but I can't. You know, creators of Barbie and Kung Fu Panda video games. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, they seem like um, they're well fucking set up to handle a deep, you know, RPG strategy tactics game. It's not like you need a bunch of uh, knowledge on building a quality title for something like that. Oh, exactly. And, you know, obviously they, so what happened is all the backers then got an email from this little Orbit company saying that they're taking over development and they're starting from scratch. So (laughs) the guy, you know, everything before it is just completely gone. The 660,000 everybody put money into is essentially done. I mean, it's not even So are they going to get the games? Like if you backed it to get the full game at release? That's what they say. They're still going to get the game. Yeah. Huh. So basically they took like $575,000 and then paid this rinky-dink developer a pittance to make this shit game that everyone's going to end up with, assuming it ever comes out. After three years, yeah. Right. And yeah, oh who knows God. how long it's going to take because these guys are just starting now. You know, between this and like the whole debacle with Mighty Number no. 9, like people are just not going to crowdfund stuff anymore. I mean, you can't... You can't do this to people. Not not on names alone anymore. I mean that 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 one that was Parappa the Rapper inspired. You know the guys that did Parappa, like that failed miserably. Like, yeah, that didn't even get close. Did not even get off the ground. Well, then you think about. I mean, the other high profile one that is kind of completely fallen off um, was that Shenmue Three, which got a ton of money, but that's been completely quiet for what 18 months now i mean we know they're still working on it but if that falls through man and that's got sony behind it i don't even know why that had to be crowdfunded to begin with well you know like what's what can you expect out of that though too like when shenmue 3 comes out what is that thing even you know if it's is it exactly the what that used to be because even then people's memories are going to be so warped warped by what that actually is now yeah i mean those games don't i mean for the time and place they were in it was impressive, but yeah, they don't. I don't think it's gonna hold up. It's not a. It's gonna play so old school if they kind of just stick with the formula. But I guess at least it wraps up the storyline, which is kind of what people were after. I, I think the big one, if if Bloodstained, that uh, basically that Castlevania ripoff, if that one doesn't come out right, like I think Kickstarter's pretty much done because I don't know what you do after that. That one actually has some you know the real guy behind it and i think it actually has some extra money behind it to make it good too so right 
Well, there's that whole thing going on now, too, now that this is a game, but there's that Dream Arcade thing that's been getting a lot of flack because they're trying to sell, like, a home box with a bunch of built-in arcade games, and um, they got into, like, a legal battle with Atari because they didn't have the rights to any of these games that they were claiming were going to be loaded, and I don't know, it's all very dicey. Well, that and, like, how are they... How are they getting? How are they going to be able to deliver so cheap on that stuff too? You know, when you consider all the software licenses and stuff like that too. Yeah, I think Kickstarter, in theory, is and crowdfunding is a great way to do stuff. But I think once you get like high high dollar amounts, to me, like the ten thousand and under type stuff, that makes more sense. It's more, you know, it's what crowdfunding was made for. It's made for smaller groups of people to accomplish something they couldn't do on their own. But when you're getting at these you know, 50,000 plus, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it can only happen so many times and people are just going to shy away from all of it altogether. Right. And, you know, the promise was like, if you showed enough support in these big numbers, then all these other companies would put their money behind it as well. But I don't think that happens. It obviously didn't in this case either, you know? Right. Well, there's always Shark Tank. (laughs) Wasn't there, like, only fifteen hundred or seventeen hundred people too for that that one uh, the unsung story or whatever. Really, is it that is that low, huh? Because I remember hearing about it back a few years ago. I thought it was kind of a low amount, so it would have been high dollars between some of these people too. Yeah. Well, you know those RPG guys like that. I mean, I don't know if you. There's some people that tactics Final Fantasy Tactics is their favorite game of all time. Like. And I don't know if I would be up there with that crowd, but when you have the guy saying that, yeah, he's going to basically make a, another one of those when Square has kind of ignored it, yeah, they're going to put any amount of money that they're going to put their bank account on it, you know? <laughs> right. Well, that's the type of game, too, where it's very much gameplay-based, like which characters you have in it or the branding. I mean, that doesn't matter. You can make the, you can make the core game virtually the same right so like it seems like the perfect type of game to pick up and crowdfund for but yeah if people can't stick to what they promise that's it's a problem yeah it, it had to been just bad management i don't know so do you think now they're gonna make it and they're gonna put like barbie and like um kung fu panda characters in there <laughs> it's like a tactic it's barbie versus kung fu panda the tactics game yeah licensed games tactics that actually could be pretty badass if it was developed yeah. by someone who knew how to develop games. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, these tactic games are not that hard either. I can't imagine, you know. Some of the systems like, are complex, but once you have yeah, it I was down, say, like... Getting the systems, and, well, and just... So the thing that I think, like, takes some skill and, like, patience, like, is you need... It's like all the detail, you know, all the stats behind each character... And like the counters, like the different weapon to, I mean, that stuff requires some skill to balance. I just can't see like a publisher like or a developer like that being able to pull that off effectively. Right. It's more developing in spreadsheets. Right. Yeah. I mean, the gameplay will probably work. It'll just be super shallow. Yeah, exactly. So they found um, another, I think I've heard about these com- being found before, but Atari 2700, huh? Yeah, prototype. Obviously, it never came out, but I had not heard of these before. Actually, have you? Okay. Be- yeah, I um, 
I think Gamester81 owns one or knew somebody who had one and did a video on it a few years ago. It's kind of an interesting looking machine. Yeah, I mean... What do they? They're just basically a twenty six hundred with wireless controllers, right? Yeah, and the wireless controllers are like super boxy. Um, you know, the the basic shape is the same, and then it's just really deep, kind of on the bottom, from what I remember. Um, yeah. It sounds like the problem was, at least with the prototypes they built, is like they didn't change the frequencies for the controllers, and they had a range of something like fifty yards. Um, so you can imagine if they ever had mass produced that you're probably screwing with your neighbor's console or the other one in your house if you had multiple. Um, so it hadn't ever gotten past the prototype stage, though, so I'm sure that would have been addressed had they moved forward. <laughs> Sounds like the controllers were, though, like, player-specific. So, like, player one wouldn't mess with what player two is trying. So it's that channel, I suppose. But, yeah, <laughs> messing with your neighbor's games. That sounds pretty awesome, actually. Just sitting outside your neighbor's window, watching and screwing with him would be all right. Yep. Griefing 80s style. <laughs> I'd look at pictures of it, and I like the uh, like pull-out antenna for the controllers. Yeah. Fits for that time. It's very classy. <laughs> feels very Radio Shack. Brings back <laughs> good memories. And this was found like in a thrift store, too, right? The guy got it for like $3 or something. Yeah, Just the exactly. system. No controllers, I think, but. Yeah, I was surprised that he immediately sold it on eBay. Right. And it only went for $3,000. See, I think that's exceedingly high um, because it doesn't have the controllers and then just also because nobody gives a crap about Atari right now. I mean, I I have good memories of Atari. Um, I think they have a huge place in video gaming history, but I just think from a collecting market, that's... that stuff is at an all-time low um so i think that probably plays in some ways i would agree but in other cases not so like there's there's some rare stuff that still goes up and it goes like crazy i mean if an air raid went up today it would still probably break a record you know think so i think so like for this the idea behind it um i think there was an article i read that the guy from atari had said that he only knew of 13 that were made as prototypes. So he found one of 13 possibilities. Like, Yeah. Well, I think they only know of like another three or something in existence. Or, I mean, under half a dozen for huh. sure. Yeah. Yeah. 3000 seems really low. I mean, the, obviously the controllers are the more interesting part of this whole thing, right. this whole setup, but it's a crown jewel in your collection. Yeah. Especially when some Nintendo games are going for a lot of money. Some uh, common Nintendo games that go for a lot of money. Common games, you say? Uh, does it get much more common than Mario Brothers for NES? Only if it's Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt. That's true. That's probably the most common in the world. <laughs> no, there was a sealed Mario Brothers that went for $30,000 on eBay. Verified that, you know, it was paid and everything. Absolutely blows my mind. So, like, in the very early days of Nintendo, they had a different, like, box tab insert at the top. Um, so it was, like, just when they were regionally released. And this one apparently had that. So it makes it the hardest box variant to get. But still, are you kidding me with this? I mean, Stadium Events is, like, near this. 
Right. And I mean, this is, it's, it's in mint condition, but still like it, it's Mario brothers, you know, right. <laughs> at the end of the day. Well, I've heard so many people talk about like, Oh, this is like museum quality. Like, are you kidding me though? $30,000 and someone's going to put this in a museum or a collection. And I mean, come on. Like, I don't care if it's gold plated. That's insane. I don't know. I just have a, I have a hard feeling with it because it's how do you spend that amount of money without knowing that there's not more like that, you know? Right. Well, yeah, and like perfect example, and we've I think we've talked about this before on the podcast is you know even with stadium events, like that had that insane value and just 2 years ago, they find out that there's a private collector or who hasn't been bragging about his collection. He owns 20 of them sealed in the box. I mean, there's the exact same thing could happen and is 10 times more likely to happen with this. Right. And Especially no if question. it's out in the wild too. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, it, the rarity of this box, this early box, they've maybe nailed that down to what that print run maybe was, but I still, it's still probably much higher than a stadium events was. Yeah. Well, and I okay, so I love gaming. We all do retro gaming, collecting. I think that's all great. These are the kinds of stories that I hate, and they just kill me a little bit inside because you know that this hit every mainstream website, every media outlet. So now every jackass with an Atari or a Nintendo or any of this crap in their garage is going to think, "Oh, this is a Nintendo game, and it's Mario, and it's got a box. It's worth ten thousand dollars." You know what? Go to hell. No, it's not. And that's right. like every time something like this happens, it just artificially inflates uh, prices on stuff for people who just have no clue. Right. At least back, you know, back if it's stadium events, you could say, hey, this game, stadium events is worth a lot of money. And then people go to their attic, look through their games like, oh, of course I don't have it. It's rare. Right. But like this, like, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I have Mario Brothers. Right. I'm going to go to a garage sale in a week and someone's going to have this loose cart and they're going to want like 50 bucks for it. I'm like, oh, I saw it was worth $30,000. <laughs> and I'm going to slap him in the face and I'm not going to be able to make the next podcast because I'm going to be in jail <laughs> for an assault. The best thing, it'll have the duck hunt with it. So it's going to be Hey, Justin, we have, a, we have a good news story for next time then. Right? <laughs> podcast of two. Fargo area video game collector molested in prison. <laughs> News at 10. Imagine the perfect video store. It would have a great selection, right? Right! Over 10,000 videos. Three evening rentals, so no rush, no hassle. Fast checkout. 24-hour quick drop return. Open late every night. Well, the perfect video store... Welcome to Blockbuster Video! ...is popping up all over the country. There's one near you. Okay, the topic for this podcast uh, is going to be video rental places of our youth or even into our teens, I suppose. I used it quite a bit, pretty much my whole life, but uh, they're pretty much extinct now. But I, we thought we would go back and just talk about some of our experiences with video rental places that we used to use. For me, I had one that was in a grocery store. 
And it seems like, at least in the Midwest, that was a pretty common thing, was to have huge video rental sections in a grocery store, which makes sense, but I just don't know if that was a national thing or not. Yeah, like I think I think that's like a key thing with this topic when we're discussing it is like in the upper Midwest, we all grew up in really small towns. So it's not like there was a dedicated store, a video rental store. There were no blockbusters. There were no Hollywood videos like your gas station slash grocery store slash pizza joint slash video rental store was kind of the norm. Yeah, we found I mean, like you were saying, they'd sometimes be in the grocery store. Um, in my hometown, it was in the gas station, in a restaurant, had a part of one. I mean, huh. it's just, it was really weird, the places that we would, I mean, you didn't think about it as unusual growing up in small towns like we did, but I can't imagine that's normal, like real normal, um, in more like populated areas of the country. Yeah, you wouldn't think so. One thing that's funny for that, like I grew up in a sm- small town, it was, I don't know, 200 people in it, I suppose. And we had two rental places for a little while there. We had, it was a restaurant, like you said, and then the gas station. But just a town of that size having two places, that's kind of strange. Right. And now, you know, towns of 100,000 can't even support one, you know? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the best thing, yeah. too, about it, like, you could go to the um, the gas station. They'd have posters and stuff for movies or just anything coming out. And when the posters were done, you could like put your name on it to reserve it, so you could get that poster and stuff. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> I have a ton of movie posters that I never seen. Yeah, I remember the movie posters being sold at the one gas station that had it too. Ours were just given away. You know what's funny too? That I just I don't know why this just clicked with me now, and I hadn't thought about it. But um, so the one, so we had like a few in my town. It was like a town of two thousand people. We had. Um, two video rental sections and two different gas stations. Uh, one of the furniture stores rented just video games, which is weird. And I think it's just because I was friends with their son. And I think it's just because he wanted to play more games. So they had NES, Genesis, and Super Nintendo games. Um, we had one restaurant that had it and a grocery store. Uh, actually, two restaurants. Take that back. The pizza place because they had an arcade too. But anyway, I'm getting off track. So we had like five options in this little crappy town. But it's funny when you're talking about the posters, because I remember the posters being hung up in the gas station and it was on the back wall next to the unisex bathroom. And then that wall outside the door of the bathroom was where all the videos and uh, video game stuff was for the rentals. And then this, so I remember this clearly now because right next to the video rental wall, that bathroom had a condom dispenser in it. And I would just remember you'd go in there, you know, it'd be like Friday night or whatever, you'd pick out stuff, and it's all like the teenage kids would like go into the bathroom, you'd hear like the ka-chink, ka-chink, and like, <laughs> it's a small town, like everyone's grabbing their condoms on like a Friday night. And I remember this happening like two or three times as like I'm a kid, and I'm like, what the hell is that? And then, you know, eventually I figured it out as I got a little older, but, oh my god. Some great memories there. Hey, you put your quarter in the gumball machine, and some people put it in a different machine, right? Exactly. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, we had a... The main one that we used was the grocery store. It was called Viking Foods, which is also no longer there, uh, because grocery stores uh, industry has kind of been disrupted as well. <laughs> but they had a pretty big one in there, and I re- remember... A couple of cool things in there. One of them was like 
they had a Super Nintendo thing that you paid a quarter for five minutes to play. Like and it an was like a machine. Tablet? No, it was it was like a TV. And then there was a, a kind of like a clear bubble that went over the Super Nintendo. Really? And then they like switched things out as you played. But there must have been some mechanism where you put a quarter in and then it had a timer on it and shut the power off. That is whenever awesome. You were done. Yeah, it was kind of cool. I didn't use it too much, but because I don't know, five five minutes is really not a long time. But I guess if you're out uh, grocery shopping, give your kids a couple quarters and say go go play. So did you, you get know? to pick your game in that then, or they just literally slapped whatever in the Super Nintendo one? I mean, they could have, but I think there was only like five or six games just in kind of sitting right next to it in the bubble there. Sure. To pick from. Huh. Um, I don't remember what was on there. Obviously, like Mario World and was on there and then i distinctly remembering basically running a scam on that place because they had a couple of promotions that stacked on top of each other to basically give you free video game rentals uh, so your game in the system back then pretty much there was a, a school fundraising card that you used to buy and it was a if you buy one if you do one rental you got one free and it was like unlimited uses well, the same place. I think it was like a buck ninety nine to rent a game back then. Sure. So you got two games for two bucks and brought them home. And uh, the same place, if you brought them back the next day, you got ninety nine cents back for each rental. So oh. <laughs> you brought them back the next day, you would basically get your dollar ninety nine back and do the whole thing right over again. That went on for like a good month, and my mom was very upset by the end of it because it was basically begging her every day after she got off work to <laughs> head over there and just pick up whatever random games. <laughs> yeah. I suppose it didn't matter if it doesn't cost you anything. Right. Right. But you had to do it every single day. You know, you had to return them and then go do the whole thing just to get this free, this, this, <laughs> this whole thing to work. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So what kind of a selection did they have? Like, I mean, in a store uh, like that where you're the only game in town, did they get new stock in or was it like the same games all the time? They definitely got new stock in. I, there was plenty of other places to rent games in town, I guess. But I just, that was just the one that we always went to just because that's where we also grocery shop. You know, a lot of gas stations around us did too, but I don't think they really had games that much. It was basically just uh, movies. Yeah, and obviously nothing like Blockbuster. I was so jealous of kids who used to go to be able to go to places like Blockbuster. Oh yeah, I just remember like you'd go to like a place like Fargo or any larger town, you'd see a Blockbuster, and it was like kind of a treat to get to like walk in and look at everything they had. Not that you could rent yep. any of it, but see, I don't think I've ever even been into one until I moved to Grand Forks, an actual video rental place. There, yeah. so I would have been what. 20 at the time before i finally went into one <laughs> yeah you're like where do i get my gas <laughs> <laughs> and my groceries this place is weird <laughs> yeah I'll, i'm kind of with you though i mean i didn't it wasn't a normal thing to go to a video rental store for me until i moved out of my small town and went to college and yeah grand forks was my i mean that's the first time i went into a hollywood video for sure yeah like there might have been one tiny one and like deep river that i was in i don't know but on that same note of for the like paying a quarter and you can play it five minutes or whatever on the timer there's actually a place in thief river that um 
I believe you could rent it by like the hour or a couple hours or whatever. But they just had it was this like I don't know stop sign shaped building that had Nintendo's set up all the way around it, and you could just rent it and go in there and play games. They had just walls of games, and you could go in there. It's like a rec room, kind of like your own. Yeah, like game room. Somebody owned it and supplied it with all the consoles. I suppose there's probably. I don't know, eight to ten, I'm sure, in there. And then, so, like, I remember one year for my birthday, we rented the place for a couple hours and had a bunch of friends over in there, and it was just people I knew in there for that time playing games on all these Nintendos. I don't know if they ever went to Super Nintendo or if it was just the the standard NES, but, like, just that concept, like, I couldn't see it working anymore, <laughs> and probably never after the su- Super Nintendo, I suppose, just because of the market and stuff, but it was a pretty cool concept at that time. Because, yeah, that's just like an alternative to the arcade at that point, you know? Yep. Yeah. And they had, like, every game, too, so you're just like, I want to play a different game, so you go to the wall and cycle through all the titles and grab it and go play it, and multiple really of each game, too. It was kind of the Wild West of, like, what the laws were of that stuff. Because, I mean, that's technically, like, public viewing, right? Like, that that's not covered under the license of video games, really. But <laughs> they didn't care back then, you know? They didn't really know. Well, it kind of reminds me a little bit... I don't know where we were, Andy, but on one of our road trips for game hunting, remember there's that game store that had, like, that caged area? It was just all, like, PS3s and Xbox 360s, and those kids would go in there and pay, like, five bucks an hour to play Call of Duty and get online yep. uh, that was the first time i'd seen that and a lot of bars i hear now too also have you know just a super nintendo or n64 set up play whatever game you want it's really cool it's just you couldn't do that with movies you know the movie companies would get on you real quick if you all of a sudden just started playing whatever movie you wanted right in, in the bar you know without a license yeah that's true unless you're going to show it on like uh well yeah because you couldn't even I'm sure you'd run into some weird territory if you're doing like pay-per-view movies and stuff too. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. I, I guess like a lot of my memories are just kind of, you know, because they were in like the small little rinky dink places, <clears throat> you know, it was kind of a big deal. Like on Sunday, you know, every once in a while after church, the family would go to like eat at the local restaurant for breakfast. And then, you know, right on the other side of it was just this little nook with games and videos so it was always kind of like, you know, if I, I'd beg my family so I could rent F-Zero or Mario Kart or something after the, the meal. Same thing with the other pizza place had one. So, you know, you'd go out for dinner on a Friday night and plead with your parents to so get a get a movie for the night or a game. So, yeah, it was kind of cool. You know, the problem I always had was... We had a lot of little pockets of places, you know, to get movies and get games, but very seldom did they get new stuff in. Um, with movies, it was a little more frequent, but games, it was kind of static uh, to some extent, and getting down there to get the one copy. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I would go downtown to rent, like, Mar- I didn't have Mario Kart for the longest time, and I would go down to rent it, and it wouldn't be there, and I'd have, like, I I'd get stuck with, like, brett hall hockey or something terrible because i'm like <laughs> i just have to rent something um so that was always a problem i think we had a like a sign-up sheet that you could do 
Oh, really? Yeah, so, like, well, it's a small town, so everybody knew everybody, but you go in there, and when the game was gone, you could be like, is there people on the list for whatever game? If they showed you the list and there's two people, you could put your name on it, and then they'd call the top person when that came in, and then if they weren't able to come get it, they'd go to the next person. It'd be nice if they just gave you the address of the person who rented it, since you probably knew them, and just like walk over to Billy's house and like, hey, can I play with you? <laughs> right. Well, usually we knew who already had it, because it's like, hey, I got this game. Whatever. <laughs> right, I suppose, yeah. Well, I think another thing that we're kind of, um, we haven't hit on yet is, <clears throat> back when we were kids, it's not like the video rental store was just for the videos, right? I mean, you could go in and you could grab like a duffel bag with a giant VCR or a Nintendo Entertainment System or a Sega Genesis, and you could rent those systems for the weekend also, yeah. um, which happened, you know, on a fairly regular basis. I remember until that stuff became more commonplace. Did you guys ever do that? I never did. Yeah, I, yeah, it was fun. I did. I I rented Super Nintendo quite a few times because I didn't have one. Yep, I can remember. Um, I can remember renting a Nintendo a couple times, and then you know, you, the the thing was like you'd get the Nintendo, and then you're like, okay, you can pick out one game. And I remember this horrible experience where we picked out the Nintendo in my game pick because I was a kid. It looked cool. Um, I grabbed Fester's Quest, and I was stuck with that piece of shit for an entire weekend. So. <laughs> And I can remember, you know, watching movies like a freaking Davy Crockett. We'd we'd rent the VCR, and the VCR was just enormous. I mean, I don't know, two and a half feet wide, just as deep, like eight inches tall. And then those old VCRs, you didn't slide the deck in. Like, you pressed a mechanism, and it, like, spring-loaded a door out of the top. And then you would throw the tape in there and, like, drop it back down. It was just ridiculous how big the technology was back then. I have one of those, and it still works. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it was... I mean, I, I don't know how long they continued with that stuff. I mean, obviously, there were rental cases for things from, like, Blockbuster up through, like, the Saturn and the PlayStation, but I don't recall any of that happening past that. I mean, that's kind of when the demise of the rental stores was happening, too. Yeah, I mean, at, at that point, like... What was it to rent it? Probably 20 bucks a day or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I'm sure. Couldn't have been too cheap. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's a whole other thing we could talk about, too, is, like, kind of how they're dead now. The funny thing is, like, the only video rental stuff I see now is actually, like, one small wall in a gas station. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that's just it. Yeah, there are still some of those little corner, corner gas station places, like, in these small towns, it'll still have them. Yeah. But, I mean, when you're talking, like, the grocery stores, they have better use of that space now. Um, yeah, it's a lot more easy. It's a lot more convenient for them to throw a red box out in the lobby than it is to worry about managing, you know, video rental inventory. Yeah. And from what I've heard, the, the, you know, just a small talk with one that was going out of business, kind of sounds like they don't really make software for that anymore. There's not a company that went out there and be like, you know what, let's make an updated video rental software. You know, and that, I think that's probably one of the main drivers is like, yeah, you know, this nobody's supporting this anymore. So why are yeah, we? Yeah, if you can't track your merchandise, I suppose that's a problem. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think a lot of it too, just like culturally, um, and I, I don't think this is a major factor, but I think culturally it's changed a lot. You know, things have grown. There's a lot more people. I, I don't know that. I think you know, thirty years ago, you could walk into a rental store. 
take down somebody's name, phone number, and address and be reasonably assured that that thing was coming back. I don't think that's necessarily the case anymore. No. Not that the world has gone increasingly more evil. It just it's kind of the nature of it. Like you can't trust anybody anymore. It's not like it was back in the day. Right. The honor system is not honored anymore. <laughs> right. And then For you sure. know, just digital distribution, of course, um, is is the leading factor. I mean, physical media is just going away. Yeah. Um, and Netflix coming in, that sort of transitioned and did a huge... I mean, Netflix just kind of came out of nowhere with... I mean, and not Netflix like we're talking today, where people just stream it as a service. I mean, Netflix started out as solely... You sign up for this. You can have a movie through the mail. It's a flat fee a month. We'll send it back to you. Uh, we'll send it out to you. You send it back. We'll send you a new one on a curated list that you generate. And that was really <clears throat> outside of like piracy and the internet and like, you know, torrents and stuff. That was a like kind of the final nail in the coffin for video rental stores for the most part. Yeah. Especially yeah. having no postage fees, like everything yeah. paid by them for, I don't remember how much it costed at that time, but. It was generally cheaper. Yeah, it was pretty pretty inexpensive. And like it's funny too because um so I I was in college, I think this is like my sophomore year. So this is right when Netflix was just kinda coming up and like it was the big new thing. People were doing it and the CEO of Blockbuster at the time gave a presentation at the university I was at. Um, on their business model because Blockbuster was still huge and this is, so this is like 2002 and somebody flat out asked him well, how do you see Netflix like are you worried like are you going to get in that space and his answer in 2002 was we don't understand how they make money when it becomes feasible maybe we'll consider it but like clearly not a threat to this guy at all um, and then what nine years later they're bankrupt right uh, and to it, be fair and Netflix probably, isn't making money either but yeah well um, and then like three, it, I think it was just like two to three years after that comment that they actually tried to get in on the, the disc mailing services. Um, and Best Buy did a similar program for a while with their big kicker being, well, at Netflix, you have to mail it back and wait. You know, if you've got a blockbuster in your neighborhood, you can get the disc to the mail and drop it off at the store. And, yep. you know, so, but I mean, <clears throat> by the time they reacted to that, um, they just, it was already too late. Right. And that was the same time they did the unlimited rental type thing too. So you could go in there and rent something for a week or two weeks at yeah. no extra charge. Yeah, it was like 25 bucks a month. Um, and you could have two movies out as long as you wanted. And I remember that specifically because that's when it became incredibly easy to pirate movies. Yep. So I would go to Blockbuster two times a day, taking out four movies, burning them. I would go on my lunch, burn them, bring them back after work, burn them every day. I have, I quit doing this years ago, but I have binders full of like hundreds of DVDs, which <laughs> was really stupid because at some point you can't possibly watch them all. But Right. I did, I did it. the same thing. The best part was after I went back, one day it was a Saturday, I think it was, and I went back, I was on my third trip, and he's like, wow, you watch movies quick. I was like, yeah, I play them side by side. <laughs> And he's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember I had, my cousin was actually managing one of the Blockbuster stores um, in the area at that point, and I asked him, I was like, so you get, do you guys like keep a database? Because I was just kind of curious, like, on how often people rent stuff? Because, you know, it wasn't possible for me to have watched these movies and be bringing them back. Because I'm like, man, I really don't want to get, like, 
you know, investigated federally because I'm pirating all these movies. <laughs> it was like getting a little paranoid with my with my Ponzi scheme. <laughs> huh. Well, I mean, I I was in the store in Iowa that was closing down. It was just kind of like a mom and pop store, which he had so much Nintendo stuff there, signage and World of Nintendo stuff. I tried to talk him into selling them to me, but he says, you know, a lot of his customers had a had already claimed him. Oh, so that really? was a big bummer. Yeah. Um, but he made an interesting point on why he was closing down. He said, it's not Netflix. It's not Redbox. I'm sure they put a dent into him for sure. But he said just, he said, those are just competitors. But the real enemy was people's, how they spend their time changed. The, re- the whole reason why we got movies is to, you know, waste time to spend time that we don't have to do anything else. And now he said, you know, you spend an hour or two on Facebook or Reddit or whatever a day now, you know, and it's just, there's just so much extra stuff that you could do that you're not just sitting around twiddling your thumbs trying to figure out what you're going to do today. Yeah. I can see That's that. That's very true. I could totally see that. Especially with the younger generation, like the kids that are in their early teens now. Yeah, they, they don't definitely watch movies. don't take in media like we used to. No. Or still do. Right. They'll hop on YouTube or Twitter or whatever, you know, right away. From my standpoint, too, like I can't sit there and watch a hour and a half movie very easily. Like I end up not paying attention or falling asleep or something. So I, I can see how that would work. Yeah. I mean, you especially were used to watching two side by side, so... Right? Yeah. It's not enough attention to detail because I don't have enough playing. <laughs> You're like the rain man of video rental stores. <laughs> <laughs> the best part of that was just his reaction. Like, clearly I'm not serious. But he's just like, oh, okay. And I'm saving up for another TV. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to need to get on that three movie plan. I'm going to step this up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I think it's just kind of sad. I kind of look at the, vi- I look back at the video rental store pretty fondly, um, just like I do with the arcade. And it's just kind of something that, you know, being a father now, it's, it's kind of sad that your kids will never, it's not maybe so sad, but it's just such a shift, like that your kids are never going to experience that. I mean, it's kind of mind blowing because it was just such a regular thing. You know, and now those places are gone um, in such kind of a short time. Yeah, it was just a few years. I mean, they're gone. Yeah, it's and, you know, it's kind of reversing the other way. I feel like where I could almost go back to a rental store instead, because like, I don't know if you just heard this now, but today's news was that Disney is pulling out all of their content from Netflix and everything, and they're going to make their own streaming thing now, too. Dude, that is going to crush Netflix. Yeah, it is. Because yeah. that's been like the big selling point is like, I, I stopped buying Disney DVDs now because like it was like a month after they came out. They were like Moana was already up there. Right. Exactly. Wow. So, yeah. but, but at the end of the day, you know, like all this cord cutting that everybody's doing now, all of a sudden you have Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, HBO, Disney now, you know, like at the end of the day, if you buy all those again, like that's more than your cable bill was. and Oh, absolutely. If you want everything, yeah. To the same situation where people aren't going to be buying it because can't afford it. 
Right. Yeah, they're just going to dilute the value of all those products to the point that nobody's going to want any of it if if they're not careful. Although I have no, you know, concerns that Disney, the juggernaut they are, could pull that off. I mean, if you pull every Disney property out of every other streaming service, yeah, they're they're golden. Right. Like that's that's yeah. plenty to put in their own service. Right, especially with Marvel and Star Wars and all that. <clears throat> yeah. And then you can see Netflix is whatever's remaining going to Amazon, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Or Hulu. Well, Amazon, I don't know. The last two years, like, they don't really care about movies anymore. You know, they put all their money into making their own, you know, original stuff. Yeah. Well, I think the worst part, too, with all these streaming services is, you know, as opposed to a rental store, and, like, the part that I miss is... It's not, they kind of, you know, it's selected. It's geared towards a certain audience. It's geared on your view history. Like what's suggested and what you're able to find is so like curated and just minimalized. It's not like it was when you could go into a video store and just like walk through and like find these like old oddball movies or crazy things that you'd never, I mean, you wouldn't have gotten that and you can't get that through these, these services. And I think that's kind of a bummer. Right. I mean, you think about all the cult movies that you ended up liking just because you picked it up like you would never find that stuff if you were just searching what amazon or netflix suggests right i never would have stumbled across army of darkness if if i'd have been a kid these days and that's like a whole another topic on unto itself like if you're a kid now is who you grew up to be based on (laughs) on what you know all these algorithms tell you you are (laughs) or we're generating pod people yeah, pretty children much. are doomed <laughs> yeah well like you said maybe it'll shift back maybe maybe vhs and dvds will be the resurgence now that vinyl's off the list we've resurrected vinyl let's bring back some other dead formats <laughs> i think dvds still outsell blu-rays which blows my mind yeah. like that made it's that format has been out for over a decade everyone has an hd tv a blu-ray player now costs thirty dollars why are they still manufacturing DVDs? Like, who <laughs> needs these? They'll output standard definition. It's not like you have to hook up HDMI. Right. Uh, ridiculous. But yeah, I could see the appeal of a video store now. You know, you just go there and be like, I don't have to worry about, oh, I want to see this movie. Which service is it on? You know, it's it's, it's yeah. just there, you know. Who can get their 30-day free trial in this family now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well the good old days yep plus you you know you don't get to see the cool things like the beaded curtains oh yeah that, that how did we not touch on this earlier the <laughs> the adult film rack like it's okay this eight-year-old kid can't see it because we put it on the top row of the video <laughs> store here at least i don't know if that's how they ran it in all your guys's towns but it's not like the porn was hidden like it was just on the rack that was eight feet tall that you could still see <laughs> Yeah, as long as you can't reach I, it, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, and then, the, okay, this is another great story. I have all the, like, effed up stories. But so the one gas station that rented it, his two daughters, one was in my grade and the one was a grade above, they worked it most of the time, the video rental counter. So you'd just go in there and we knew them. So you'd just, like, grab the porn. Like, they're like, you know, you're not supposed to be able to rent this, right? You're not going to tell anybody. I'm like, no, it's fine. It's like, totally cool. Like, We'll take it. And they would let you get by with it. I mean, it was slightly <laughs> awkward that you're entering, renting, you know, pornography from your female classmate, but totally worked. 
<laughs> and that's how I was introduced to softcore porn. Now it's time for Buy, Rent, Burn. This is the recurring segment of the podcast where each of us selects a game um, and we decide amongst ourselves which of those games we would buy, rent, or burn. And this week, um, our selections are Andy has picked Firepower 2000 for the Super Nintendo. This came out in 1992 and was published by Sunsoft. Um, Justin has selected A Boy and His Blob. Trouble in Blabonia. That's the full title. It's a mouthful. This is for the NES. Uh, it was released in 1990, published by Absolute Entertainment. And I have selected Metal Slug Advance for the Game Boy Advance. This was released in 2004, published by SNK Playmore. Um, Andy, let's talk about Firepower 2000. Sure. Uh, Firepower 2000 is a shoot 'em up. Uh, game and it's actually the sequel to silkworm for nes i don't know if you've ever played that but it, it is I, kind I of similar it is kind I of similar know that. yeah i mean it's it's the same tank look looking thing that uh that you use um you can you can play as like a jeep they call it but it, I th- to me it seems it looks more like a tank or a metal slug if you will yeah actually it does kind of look like a metal slug from the top down doesn't it <laughs> yeah and then you could play a helicopter too. I didn't play as a helicopter this time, but to me it reminds me quite a bit like uh Raiden, which is one of my favorite series of shooters. Um but the thing with this game is the music it just is really catchy. Um it is made by Sunsoft, so they kinda are kinda known for their music, but at the same time, like I don't know how many shooters they actually did either, so it's got a good uh, action-y feel to it. So kind of impressed by that section of the game. Um, I didn't get too far into it. It's kind of a hard game, at least for me. <laughs> I'm not great at shooters, even though I like them. Yeah, what well, do you guys think? And I didn't know, like, maybe this was just me, um, but I felt like I struggled a little bit with the controls for the tank or Jeep or whatever a little bit. It was a little, um, I guess, boxy. I mean, there was, like, it was a little tough to move them the way I wanted to sometimes. Sure, and that's a, another th- important part to point out on how you aim your bullets in this game. You can go all eight ways to shoot shoot in this game, but it's a little awkward because it's kind of like pressing uh, the direction that you're going and then holding down the shoot button, and, and it always stays that way. So you could constantly right. move any other direction, but you're still shooting the same direction you're going with... Uh, when you press down the, the shoot button and it just seems like, like it would have been the perfect dual stick shooter. If you had, were able to make those controls. Yeah, uh, exactly. But, but, but they didn't figure that out on that game. I mean, there, there was a way to do it like smash TV and, and such. Yeah. But I was going to say, they that totally, yeah, they could have totally kind of mocked that up with the four buttons. It would have worked. Yeah. Or it would have worked a little bit better potentially. Yeah. Yeah. 
I did think it was really neat. Not, I mean, I was playing it solo, obviously, but I did think it was neat how it was two-player. Um, so you could have, you know, two people playing at the same time, which for a shooter um, was kind of, I mean, it's not that common, um, certainly not in those days. And it was interesting how you got the option between, like, a helicopter and the, the Jeep. So you could have one person taking on, you know, air vehicles and the other one doing the, the ground. Um, yeah. And now that you mentioned Raiden, that I actually, like, top-down art style and just kind of enemy layout and background, that, that is pretty accurate. It isn't too yep. far off. I uh, I agree with that. I I kind of like the option where you can actually play as either one, the tank or the helicopter too. Because um, you can do that in single player, right? Like you can just play as a helicopter. Yeah. yeah. I I did the tank and I played through and ran into the train numerous times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the one thing I... that takes you down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got uh, super annoyed with that power-up, too, like the orb. Because it's like, oh, yeah, power-up, you know, the first time. Because you just kind of assume this is a good thing, like from other games. But you have to blow it up, otherwise it kills you instantly. Which just irritated the crap out of me, because I got all excited. I was like, my first power-up explode. I'm like, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) It's very misleading. But, yeah, no, it... um, I don't know. I mean, I, I thought it was a pretty solid game. I mean, to me, not not any one thing about the game stands out above, like, you know, its peers, but uh, a solid package nonetheless. And, I mean, this is a pretty reasonable game to pick up, too, right? Like, price-wise, if you were to buy it today? Uh, I believe it's, like, 15 20 bucks right now. So it's, yeah, not, it's not too bad, bad for Super Nintendo prices. <laughs> right, that's kind of, like, almost where they start now. Yeah. It's, like, 20 or 500 <laughs> <laughs> Justin, how about um, A Boy and His Blob? What are your thoughts on that game? Well, I guess I went with that game because I remember I picked it up numerous times renting it from Video Rental Store. And um, I never really got very far. Like Each time I'd progress a little bit further. Um, it's a fun game, though. It's, you got, what, 10, 15 different jelly beans that you toss to the blob. It changes into different things. Um, depending on the jelly bean that you feed them. So it's kind of an interesting game. You have to know what the jelly bean's going to do and plan where you get have to use the jelly beans, I guess. I ran into the issue a couple times where I used the ladder, expecting I could climb up onto it, and I'd be just a little bit too far away from the ledge, so I kept falling. Mm-hmm. Was and then the hole, you <laughs> put the hole someplace and end up falling all the way through next level, but... Overall, you know, it's a fun game. I I do like the where you have to actually puzzle and figure the game out through the progress of the puzzle, I guess. But normally, I'm not a big fan of that type of game. But this one's pretty fun. Yeah, it it almost plays as like a PC point and click adventure, except instead of a point and click, you're interacting with a blob through jelly beans. <laughs> yeah. I, I did enjoy it too. Like, if you missed with the jelly bean, the blob would cry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I always enjoyed too. Like, I forgot, and then I laughed again. Um, how he'll never eat the ketchup jelly beans. Right. Like, <laughs> so I learned what the ketchup one is. Oh yeah. So you know what the ketchup one does? No. The ketchup one, if you throw it in a spot that where he isn't, he teleports to it. So if he's like stuck on a different level or plane. Yeah, like if there. you want to get him in a specific spot, you use the ketchup one, and it, he teleports right to that spot. 
Interesting. I just thought it was worthless. It was yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this definitely does remind me a lot of, like, those point-and-click adventures, especially, like, Sierra ones where they're kind of obscure mm-hmm. on some of their stuff. I remember renting this as a kid and probably maybe getting two treasures. That's about it. And after that, I could not figure it out. There's There's a couple key actions in that game that I don't know you you guys probably got farther than this than when you were younger but like the trampoline being able to know that you just have to hold up to just keep going higher on the trampoline like you probably would have figured that out but I didn't when I was younger I know that yeah it's kind of a game that's cruel to try and complete in the days before the internet I mean now we have walkthroughs and like let's you know guides but Man, it's pretty. A lot of trial and error to progress in that back in the day when this was released. Yep, for sure. And then, you know, for me, this game I always had great memories of because I'd play it with my cousins. And that's kind of an interesting story because my, I'd never had the NES growing up, but my cousins did. And they actually got this game, had no label on it, and they found it out in a street gutter. So that's how this game kind of like came into their possession. So it's kind of like this weird sort of like creepy pasta story before like the internet even existed where we had this mystery game that came out of like a gutter and like nobody understood how it worked. And um, <laughs> so, I, and we actually got pretty far in the game. I remember we would, would have sleepovers and we, we progressed pretty, pretty far into the game, much further than I can get now without help. Um, my cousins were a few years older than me though. So that helped. But um Still, just yeah, for an NES game, it's sort of out there on its own. There aren't there aren't really games like that. I think the the music's interesting, the animation is great, and that opening scene still just kind of sticks with me, um, with that city backdrop and the lights uh, and the way the characters move. I think it looks pretty visually striking um, from the get go, and then it you know once you get into the cave system, it sort of changes um, tone. But yeah, it's it's kind of an experience of a game that sticks with you even if it frustrates with frustrates you for sure yeah i mean it's certainly unique on the the nes for sure um i think they wanted to do a lot more with it maybe because it just seems like the pacing of that game is very strange um you're like 40 minutes in the cave system just you know basically kind of doing the same puzzles right for 40 minutes and then once you finish that it's like Oh, you're in a cornfield for five minutes, and then you're in this weird factory on an alien planet for five minutes. And I don't know if you if you've gotten to the end boss, but that is quite <laughs> it's one of the weirdest end bosses I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I had to watch a let's play of it, but it was bizarre. <laughs> that yeah, that last end boss is very strange. I've never seen that end boss. I guess I've never got that far, and I didn't actually finish the entire let's play that I had found. But uh, yeah, it's just weird that it's, they spent so much time building that cave system and then the, the rest of the stuff is just weird afterthoughts that yeah it seems like they had more planned out that probably just didn't make it into the game. I don't know. Yeah, that could very well be. It definitely isn't yeah, balanced well as far as locations, that's for sure. It's probably important to note that the guy that kind of did this game also was kind of the creator of Pitfall. And when I think about that, there's a lot of similarities. Like, yeah, I could definitely see the guy, like the guy who made pitfall thinking, okay, what am I going to do to advance my, this game? You know? Yeah. Well, and as far as like enemy 
like hit detection, one hit deaths. Like you're right. Like it's very similar, especially right away. That now I never made that connection, but even yeah, right away in that cave system, you get those jumping worms. I mean, that could easily have been a scorpion. You know, it's it's like the scorpion and pitfall. Like you avoid it, otherwise you die. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. What a strange game. Have you guys played the Wii one at all? I own it. I've been meaning to get into it. I just have not had the time. Yeah, me neither. Looks great. I hear great things. I think I've played many games at all on the Wii. I bought it, or I got it, just to play the party games. Oh, you're one of those. (laughs) Said no one ever. (laughs) (laughs) You and 60,000 retired people. (laughs) Play them for a couple minutes and I'm done with it. Yeah, we haven't mentioned that Justin is 70 years old, right? <laughs> Close. <laughs> the truth is out there now. <laughs> All right. So my pick, uh, Metal Slug Advance. I didn't play this game until maybe a few years ago uh, when I picked it up in a Game Boy Advance slot. Um, you know... I don't know how to feel about this game. It captures the visual style pretty accurately. It lets you pick from characters like you could in a normal uh, Metal Slug game, which is kind of a run-and-gun side-scrolling shooter. Everybody likes to compare it to Contra, um, but I don't know how accurate of a statement that is. Um, The things that it does differently... I will say the one problem I have with this game is if you're playing this in the original Game Boy Advance, which when, when this was released... There was not a backlit model of the Game Boy Advance. This game is incredibly dark and difficult to play. Um, and, and some other things that it changes, like key changes from a normal Metal Slug game, which those those started out on the arcade, on the Neo Geo. You get a life bar. Um, on the arcades, obviously, it was a one-hit death. So it's a little bit more forgiving, um, and it kind of has to be because the screen is zoomed in a little bit more. So you don't get to see, you don't get as much of advanced warning when a grenade's being lobbed at you from off screen. Uh, so there's just like a lot of frustrating elements. Um, they changed also the art style for the Prisoners of War, which I don't appreciate. And I, I just think like overall, it tries really hard to be a Metal Slug game, like a portable Metal Slug game. It just doesn't quite feel right. Um, it's better than the Neo Geo Pocket Color attempts. Um, it's more of a faithful arcade port, but I just it just doesn't quite work for me. What did you guys think of it? Yeah, I mean, I will say it. I was surprised how visually close that they could actually get to the original Neo Geo games on a Game Boy Advance. Um, but like you said, like the, the health bar is forgiving, but it also is not the way that I'm used to playing Metal Slug, where the way I play Metal Slug now is just hit continue, just keep going, you know, you die, whatever, you just keep going, you know, you just, you pretty much brute force it because it's not, you don't play it like the faithful, you know, arcade version. You just brute force your way through it as many lives as you can. And this is like, oh, you died, mission failed, start over, you know, and that's such an abrupt change to how I play Metal Slug that, I don't know, it was, it was a little bit, jarring i guess i can't say i've played a whole lot of metal slug i don't think i think we played it on arcade game did we at mgc was it? yeah i forced you to play through like the last three stages with me yeah and i'm pretty sure that one was broken though because we didn't die yeah but, that one was like rigged 
but as far as the gameplay, I, I felt it played pretty decent. Not playing Metal Slug, I guess, much before. So um, a couple things that bugged me were the enemies, when you advance a little bit, they could still spawn behind you still. So as you're avoiding bombs from in front, they would still randomly spawn and start throwing from behind too. Um, I guess that was really the main thing. I thought it was entertaining to walk up and knife the people though. (laughs) (laughs) But not my favorite type of game, but it was interesting. Yeah, I'll agree that the, the, the spawning was incredibly frustrating. Yeah. Well, and okay, so I can't remember, but I think you could back you could not backtrack in the arcade versions, or at least the first couple of Metal Slugs, right? Yeah, the screen I think, only progressed right. I believe so. So yeah, it is a little weird that you can go backwards um, in this game so regularly, and then yeah, the cheap spawning makes it miserable. Yep. There there is a lack of animation, but compared to like the arcade games, but what do you expect? You know. Right, yeah. You can't compete with the power of the Neo Geo. Right. <laughs> Puny little GBA. <laughs> okay, so now we have kind of given a, a an overview and thoughts on, on the three titles presented for by Rent Burn uh, this this episode. Andy, why don't you go ahead and tell us where you would you would rank these games? You know, this one is probably the hardest one that we've had so far. Probably by far. It's all of them have have great potential, but there's also a lot of it that's like if they would have changed one small thing, it would have been a much better experience. So with that said, I'm for buy. I'm going to pick Firepower 2000, the game that I brought, uh, just because I don't know it. It's it's kind of just a calming one for me. I just go in and play it, listen to the music, and just kind of throw bullets at some guys. For my rent, I'm going to pick Boy and His Blob. This is the first time I actually beat that game. Went all the way through it. Definitely needed some help from some online guides on a few things. Because, uh, wow, some of that stuff, I don't know. Even even the your best friends in the playground, I don't think they were that smart. But <laughs> it's definitely, I'm glad I did it. It's something that I'm like, okay, I get why people, what people saw in that game. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's still kind of like... Uh, there's much better ones out there that kind of do the adventure style game too. And for my burn, I'm going to pick metal slug advance, not because it's really a bad game. It's completely serviceable for that. Like I said, I was surprised how, how much it actually looked like a metal slug game. Um, but it's just not the way I want to play metal slug. And that, and that's maybe not the game's fault. Like if that was my first experience to with metal slug, that probably would might be you know one of my favorites but just not the way i play it so yeah what about you justin all right i do agree this is a tough one um i've switched them up many times <laughs> um I, I believe i got it pretty well set here though i'm kind of going the same boat as what you just did um my buy is going to be firepower 2000 um it's not a typical type of game that I would play, but just the aspect that you can have two players, um, one in air, one on ground, I think would make that quite a bit of fun. Um, and it's enjoyable by yourself too. 
my rent, and I will continue to rent this game, is going to be A Boy in His Blob. Um, it's one of those games where you own it and you beat it. Why would you ever play it again? So um, I would go with rent for that. Um, I'm going to burn Metal Slug Advance. I don't mind the game. It's just not the type of game that I really enjoy. It's, it's a fun game. I'll probably go through and play it a few times and see how far I can get and stuff. But again, it's not my favorite game, so I'll burn that. How about you, Ryan? Well, first of all, Justin, I'm a little annoyed that you burned Biohazard Battle last time because you don't like shooters, but Firepower 2000 <laughs> makes it to the top of your list this week. So, screw you on I that. know. It's not a horizontal shooter, though. <laughs> uh, it's, because it's, not a, it's because it's not a Genesis game. <laughs> I, I really am terrible at the up-and-down side-scrolling shooters like that. You're a Genesis you're racist against Genesis. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. So um, this is going to be a first. I am absolutely with you guys. Like all of these games are interesting and solid enough in their own right with none of them being exceptional. Um, so this is like a very even playing field. And I've been changing my list. I thought I knew what I was going to do up until we started talking about these and I, I switched it. But this is going to be the first time where um, I think we're going to come out unanimous on the three of us having the same buy rent burn i i would go with firepower 2000 because it's a solid enough shooter um also it'd be a great game to play by yourself or if you've got a friend coming over you know thinking back to when couch co-op happened as a kid uh be a good pick up and play game it'd be perfect for that it'd be the type of game you'd want laying around in your collection um a boy in his blob as much as i love that and i think everyone should have that in their nes collection because it is so unique it it just fits the mold of a rental. It's not the type of game that you're going to sit down and sink hours into. You're going to play with it, get to a point, get frustrated, and put it away for a long time. And like Justin said, once you beat this, you're not going to go back through and play a boy in his blob for speedrunning fun, I wouldn't hope. Um, so that's where it ends up there. Actually, you should watch a speedrun. <laughs> there are people that do it. It's a, it's a big speedrun game. Oh, There's, God. You can break that game pretty pretty crazy. Well, I guess different strokes, I guess. I'll have to check one of those out, though. That sounds kind of interesting. Um, so with my buy and my rent out of the way, of course, um, Burn is going to be Metal Slug Advance. Uh, again, just like you guys said, not that it's a particularly bad game. It's just I am a huge fan of the Metal Slug series and the Neo Geo. And this, as much as it wants to be that game, it's just not. Um, so I'll, I'll just torch it and play play the better versions. All right, yeah that that's crazy that we all agreed on the same. I know order I'm kind of blown away. Three, three games for three different people, especially with swapping them so many times. Like right. I thought about it all day today at work. Like, what order am I going to do? One, you and I had gone through Justin. You and I had gone through our list yesterday, and it was different for both of us. So. Yep, it's <laughs> funny. Yeah, it, I I changed it up pretty much right to the last minute too. <laughs> You ask me tomorrow, it'll probably be different again, but that's what I'm going with. <laughs> it's locked in. It's yep. done. Well, if you're listening, you can lock in yours because uh, obviously you're going to put the same exact order as us, right? Probably not. But <laughs> you can put your vote in at weekendpodcast.com. Be sure to put your comment in when you vote so we get to know what you uh, have to say about each of these games. Um, and... Yeah, you can get notified whenever a new vote is up. So 
Yeah, check that out, weekendpodcast.com. Yeah, we'd love to hear your feedback. Um, and with that, I think we have wrapped another episode. Justin, why don't you take us out? All right, so like Andy said, we got the website, uh, weekendpodcast.com. Um, you can also find us, we got an email, um, it's weekendrentalpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can feel free to email us, or you can check us out on Facebook. Uh, you can just search Weekend Rental Podcast, and you can follow us on there, or Twitter, and that's at Weekend Rental PC. Um, you can also find the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And as always, be kind, rewind.